Welcome to the first, and quite possibly the last, Cranky Flyer podcast. This week's podcast is sponsored by my dog, because if she hadn't broken my finger, I probably still wouldn't be doing this. If you'd like to become a real paying sponsor, send me an email at cf at crankyflyer.com. This week, I'm pulling out an across-the-aisle interview that I did with Matt McGuire, CEO of OneJet, back at the Boyd Conference in Lake Tahoe last month. The first time I spoke with Matt, OneJet was growing. They had based in Indianapolis originally, had added more cities, and had big plans. Things have changed since then, and the focus has shifted to Pittsburgh. While the airline might look different than it did last year at this time, Matt says it's making money. Let's get started. All right, well, uh, let's see. Last time we talked, uh, a lot has changed for you guys since yeah. then. So you were, uh, we had Indianapolis, uh, which I guess was more of the focus at the time, right? I mean, you you had Pittsburgh in the network. You had just started Memphis, I think, at the yep. time. Um, and uh, and and now it none of that, right? It's, right. it's a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh shift. Focused, yeah. yeah. So what happened? What's uh, what's the story here? Yeah. Well, so you know, we started operations from Indianapolis in April of 2015, and uh, started with very limited frequencies. We had a couple aircraft, uh, and the idea was, you know, could we demonstrate this, that this was a product that would work? I mean, would, could you get mainstream travelers to get on a six or seven seat light jet aircraft, fly for 45 minutes, and enjoy the experience? Could you get corporate travel programs to buy into that? Um, and we saw the answer to that was yes, but we also found uh, pretty quickly that you know under uh, with Pinnastar, original operator, yeah. you know we were restricted to publishing no more than four round trips per week in any given city pair market. So because that, of the nature of the the scheduled charter, nature of the scheduled charter, yeah. nature of the regulations, and so if you can imagine, if you were limited to four round trips a week really limits you in terms of utilization, in terms of schedule optimization, right. uh, convenience for customers. And so ultimately, um, you know, once we got past the first 10 months, we said, all right, well, the product's working. Now we need to focus on making the thing make money. Okay. <laughs> and so we needed a, an operator that had uh, what's called a, a commuter certification, yeah. uh, which our new operator, Corporate Flight Management, does. Um, and that allows us to fly unlimited frequencies, publish unlimited schedules, um, but as part of that, the operation got more expensive. We had to invest more capital, um, and the state of Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh came to us and said, well, we know you're looking to expand. Mm. Uh, what if we give you a great, uh, very low-interest loan uh, mm. to expand your operations? And so Indianapolis wasn't so much it wasn't so much about the performance there. It was the fact that we had a set number of airplanes. We had a commitment in terms of service we would need to make to Pittsburgh in order, in order to do this agreement. Uh, and so in May, we moved... Most of the operations to Pittsburgh, and now we serve from Pittsburgh, uh, Indianapolis, Milwaukee, uh, Hartford, Louisville, Kentucky, and we'll be starting Cincinnati uh, in October. Yeah, I think I saw what it say. You're gonna was it five cities or six cities by the end of 2016? Yeah, so we'll have six cities. So there's well, one more coming to. Well, six cities from Pittsburgh. Uh, we've also announced we also did a transaction with um, the city of Louisville uh, to establish a base there. Okay. So we'll be launching service as well from Louisville. Uh, to Raleigh Durham and to Kansas City. So, all right. Um, so, is it the same aircraft? Same aircraft. You just moved them over to just, just CFM. Exactly right. 
Uh, and but you're still hamstrung on the number of aircraft. You're not looking to, to add aircraft at this time. Uh, we are. So uh, by October we'll be up to four aircraft, uh, about six aircraft by the end of the year. Um, but look, I mean, I think when we talked last year, I told you by this time this year we'd have I don't know 12 airplanes or something Whatever, like yeah. that, right? <laughs> I think the reality, you know, the important thing is um, we're making money. You so, are. You're yeah, making we're money. We're making right money. Now. All our routes are profitable, and so. When you're in a very capital-intensive business and you've gone through the process of the dance of you need capital to get airplanes, airplanes to get customers, customers to get investors, as soon as that, that trend starts to work in your favor, uh, you say, all right, let's, let's, let's see if we can grow this organically, uh, which we are, as well as through doing these deals with, uh, with local communities. But I think we've really focused now on uh, making every route from the start make money and then add a route beyond that. So Pittsburgh, it was just a low-cost loan, so you could bulk up, basically, right. to go to the higher level of certification yes. and all that. Um, what, what's the deal with Louisville that they're doing? Uh, so Louisville put together a million-dollar package uh, to get two aircraft and four routes. Um, and so we've closed half of that now, so we did announce service, uh, well, ser- certainly the service to Pittsburgh and service to Raleigh. And service to Kansas City that we rolled out, and then we'll actually have a fourth city from Louisville. Uh, we'll be announcing it either later this year or early next. Okay, uh, but so is that just a flat amount they're giving you to help subsidize startup? Is that what it is, or? Yeah, I mean it's, you know, and it's not free. Um, so you know, the deal we did with Pittsburgh, and similar to what we're doing in, in Louisville, uh, you know, it was a combination of low interest loans, okay, uh, but then also equity participation from. Very oh, really? prominent folks. So, for example, in Pittsburgh, uh, we had the former chairman of PNC Bank participate personally. One of the co-owners of the Steelers participate. Mm-hmm. And so, what strikes me, and you know, we we're talking about the conference here a minute ago, is when I go into communities and you sit down with civic leaders, they say our number one priority is air service development. And you say, all right, well, look, it's pretty simple. As a community, if you want a new road, you take the money, you get the new road. Yeah. You want a new bridge, you invest in it. Uh, in this current environment, uh, it makes sense, and we think we're offering reasonable terms. If you want air service, you can invest and get what you want, but you have to put something forward. Of course. I mean, a lot of these incentives programs in the past, right, there's money that goes in, it gets used up, and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. So um, why are you are you different? <laughs> yeah, well, I think because ultimately the underlying market fundamentals of the model uh, make a lot of sense. You know, we're flying seven-seat aircraft. Our average market size is 40 or 50 PDUs. Um, and so it is an organically performing business. The capital that's being put in is not a subsidy on an ongoing operational basis. It's capital, you know, when we start a route, on average it costs us about a half a million dollars between bringing an aircraft, certification, pilot training. Uh, so, you know, that's a lot of capital, and we're able to get good terms on it. But again, on a market basis, without subsidies, uh, the business model is working. And so some of the other routes that you had done, I mean, I know you guys were really high on the Indy Memphis one with the yeah. FedEx relationship and that, but th- did it just not work, or did you say, well, we have to pivot this because, in, in, you know? In, the Indy Memphis route was a – it was not so much about the Indy Memphis route as it was about moving from Indianapolis to, to Pittsburgh. Okay. Um and that was a tough decision. Frankly, um, I still can't get some of my calls returned in Indianapolis, but uh, you know it was the best thing for the business. And look, to Pittsburgh's credit, okay, um, they put their money and put – and it's not just money. They put their attention um, where their mouths were. So you know, we had the county executive involved. We had the governor directly involved. Um, you know, in Indianapolis, Indiana, we, we, we didn't have that. And to their – you know, 
to defend them. Uh, they were very much during the early stages of the program, but Pittsburgh was aggressive. They said, this is the service we want, and we cut a deal. Okay. Uh, so is this the model going forward then to find you know, other cities that want to invest in this to try and get it? Yeah, I mean, look, we see um, about 800 city pair opportunities in the eastern U.S. that meet our profile, and that's markets that are somewhere between 15 and 80 PDUs and 300 to 800 miles in stage length. Um, so there's a lot out there to take. There's only so many aircraft. So I think it makes sense that if we can get great terms, uh, we're going to partner with communities that want the service that badly. And it's, again, it's not just about the money. It's about the fact that community has already organized itself enough to say, you know, this money reflects the focus and the commitment uh, of leadership in the community to get this done. Yeah. And so, you know, even in Pittsburgh, once the money's in, because of the folks involved, you know, we can pick up the phone, get into any company there, get a corporate contract. Uh, we get great publicity um, and and fantastic, you know, fantastic support. Because these are not, you know, this is not an easy project. It's big scale. Yeah. Uh, and so if you don't have that, you know, why would I go into a community and take all the risk and have them have no skin in the game? It would make no sense. So are, are you, I mean, do the communities have involvement in route planning? I mean, when you come in and they say, hey, we're going to give you this, this low interest loan, but I need this flight to uh, Columbia, South Carolina, yeah. you know, Well, you know, the, the nice like, thing is if they have money in, and again, they're going to return, it could be a lower single, you know, municipal and bond type return yeah. or it's equity. They have an incentive that, you know, again, the market fundamentals uh, will support the operations of the business. And so we make it very simple. They say, look, um, and I think our views are aligned, you know, here are the largest O&D markets that don't have nonstop service. I say, all right, let's start with the low hanging fruit first make it work, and then we'll go smaller and smaller where the revenue optimization has to get a little bit fancier, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, they certainly don't want to put money in and have the thing go out of business six months later. Well, yeah, they're not right, getting it right. back. So. <laughs> but did, have they been involved? I mean, has Pittsburgh said, hey, look, really, this is one of the cities that we really yeah, need? Yeah, we, we sit down at the table. I mean, it, it is a negotiation. So we sit down at the table and they say, you know, we're, here's, here's, we say, here's what we want. And they say, well, here's the top cities we have. But again, it's I, I think given that everyone's interest is, is that this is on a private sector basis successful, um, it makes sense. You go after the largest markets, the markets where you have existing corporate travel. Yeah. So when they walk in and say, well, Corporation ABC is calling me every day because they want service down here, you say, all right, great, well, sign them up, they can go. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think it's aligned in, the, in that way. Um, and so far it's worked out. I mean, again, Pittsburgh hit profitability in August for us. Um, and... Uh, and we've just been tremendously pleased. And you know, we're flying all the major Fortune 500s out of there. Uh, TSA pre-access. We just put high-speed Wi-Fi internet on the airplanes. Okay. We'll be upgrading that even further this fall. Is that satellite Wi-Fi? Is it, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be going to 4G when that's coming out. So even faster speeds. Uh, we'll have streaming entertainment on board the aircraft, which really doesn't matter for 45 I was going to say, it's a short flight. Do people really care? No, but they care in the sense that... You know, Delta now has it, America now has it. So we you think, need to we have think it's it. a credibility thing just yeah. to have it. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's fair. That makes sense. Um, so, all right. So now, where are you going to be next year? <laughs> next time I talk to you. Right, this like... time next year, we will have 12 airplanes, I promise you. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> now look, I mean, I, mean I, I think where we are now is, um, you know, as we talked before, I mean, this, this project was several years in the making. So, sure. the fact, we're now at a point where, um, you know, we're not having to incessantly run around and raise capital. To cover you know the huge operational losses you incur, uh, the fact that it's making money. So I I would say look three years from now where we want to be 
is probably have about five of these base cities, as we call them. Okay. Okay. So communities that we partner with. Yeah. Um, and you know, call it probably three to five aircraft in each city. So you know, a 25, 30 aircraft network. And you know, privately for us, we think there's a huge opportunity here. We want to get all the mechanics working to a reasonable scale. And then I think it's reasonable that there's a strategic buyer out there that can come in and say, all right, you know, we, we want to take on the risk to go from 30 airplanes to 100 airplanes. But that's right. that's still well down the road. So do you want to continue to partner with uh, corporate flight management, or, or are you looking at operating yourself at some point? Or? Yeah, no, I, look, I, corporate flight management has been fantastic. I mean, they're really, even though they're a 135 carrier, you know, they brought in people from the 121 world, so they think like an airline, uh, whereas most charter carriers think like a we only fly three hours a week. Yeah. Uh, they think like a charter carrier. Um, so we're, we're going to stick with them for now. I think, I think you know, you can naturally see at some point with a certain fleet size, uh, the economics probably work in favor of bringing some of that in-house. So I think we would do that at some point. Uh, but for right now, you know, the biggest challenge in this thing is not, um, you know, can you find a chief pilot, can you operate the airplanes? It's marketing, it's distribution, it's revenue management. Yeah. And so that's where we're focusing our time and energy right now. And I see you are now selling on your website, which is a good start. Yes, yes. <laughs> but but so how are you doing it? You're, I mean, how are you, you know, if that's your big challenge, what are you doing for getting people on board? Yeah, well, it, it, I'll tell you, it, it's gotten it's gotten easier. Um, you know, purely from a distribution perspective now, obviously we're in all the GDSs. About 50% of our sales come from GDS points of sale. Um, you know, the American Express Business Travels, Carlson Wagon Lease. Uh, the other half is coming directly through our great online booking feature. Today, I told which we, which we should have had 12 months ago, <laughs> but right. now we have. Great. Um, but, you know, to me in the, in the marketing process, obviously I think even in Pittsburgh, uh, there's still an awareness issue. Um, well, I'm sure. I and mean, and we're doing what you would think. I mean, we, we have most of the main premium uh, kind of out-of-home placements in the terminal. Uh, we do, you know, the news prime news desk sponsorship, you know, this one this news report brought to you by OneJet, blah, okay. blah, blah. But more than anything, to me, it's, it's um, you know, one, always focusing on credibility because obviously it makes people aware, but then I think because of the nature of the business, um, people have to have a reason to trust you. <laughs> And so it's little things. It's the fact that you know we took the time, and money to get in TSA pre. Uh, the fact that you know we are a preferred vendor of Amex and other folks like that. Uh, the fact that we go from the main terminals. Remember you and I talked yeah, about that. Yeah. Uh, and that that was still people say because you know one of the biggest issues that just annoys the hell out of me is uh, terminal costs. Oh sure. Right yeah. now, on the one hand. Um, we're only paying two bucks a gallon because we get commercial airline fuel pricing going from the terminal, where we pay five bucks a gallon going from the FBO. Right. But we still have some airports that will come to us and say, um, "Well, you know, we, we want to charge the same fixed cost as we charge American Airlines sure. for a 737." Yeah. We say, "Guys, take that number divide by seven seats." Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. I, I can't pay a hundred dollars and I'm playing passenger. So, from a structural standpoint, that's something that uh, has been frustrating to us, but. You know, I'll tell you, the yields are increasing about 5% every month. Doing basic advertising, basic promotion, getting the right partnerships to build credibility. And again, at the end of the day, it's not a tough sell. We have the only nonstop product in these markets. Right. We get you there in 45 minutes versus four or five hours with a connection. Does, uh, um, when you're, you're <laughs> talking about the airport costs again, um, so have you had routes you haven't been able to start because the airports just won't? 
Yes, I, I, I won't tell you which, but yes. We've well, had, that's a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't want to I'm not him. surprised, though. I don't I mean, want anyone beating me up in the bar tonight if they, if they hear this. Interview, but, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Let's yeah, do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but look, I mean, there's – all we say to airports is if your average cost per employment for American is 8 or 9 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, look, I'll pay you 20 bucks. I don't care. I'll give you 2x, but I can't pay 80 or 100. And I think airports are in this – are in this interesting place now where, you know, there was so much, quote-unquote, free air service for so yeah. long, so many airlines out there, that, you know, this notion that um, they're going to have to make choices between, uh, you know, some discounted revenue to get service uh, or investing capital to get service, uh, it's all very silly at the end of the day. Um, you know, these communities need air service. The companies that are there need the connectivity. And so it's a very simple negotiation. We go into airports, we say, guys, look, it's not – it's 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 either you can get new service and some incremental revenue, or no service and no incremental right. revenue. <laughs> you know. But apparently that doesn't always work. Well, there's these are big bureaucratic organizations. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. So. Thanks for listening to the first Cranky Flyer podcast, and thanks to today's sponsor, my dog. If you'd like to be a real paying sponsor, remember, just email me at cf at crankyflyer.com. In the next couple of weeks, I'm planning on trying to shake this up a little bit, try some different formats, but it won't work without your feedback. So email your thoughts to cf at crankyflyer.com, find me on Twitter at crankyflyer, or just go to crankyflyer.com and leave a comment on the blog. See you next week. Thanks for listening.